Let us dive into what we have prepared and where we're going this morning. We've been in a conversation, and I'm not going to backtrack through all of it. Uh, love to have you participate in it. Uh, we've been talking about finding the way forward. Um, the past talks that we've had, the past sermons are on our website, um, or you can find them on podcast people, iTunes, and things like that. Um, love to have you go back and listen to those. But if you remember last week, we talked about the idea of healthy community and what it meant for us to live as a healthy community together. And one of the beautiful things that I know I can say is true is that the seeds of this are alive in Valley. Many of you, as we ask about your experience here or the things that you celebrate about being a part of Valley, you talk about the community that's here. You talk about the family. You talk about the way that you're cared for. You talk about the relationships that you're able to find uh, among one another. This is something that we know is true and that we celebrate among us. And as I've told you, as our vision team looked to, to define and clarify some guiding principles, we weren't really looking for brand new things. We were looking for things that were clearly a part of us already and declaring that we long to stay committed to them. So deciding that healthy community is one of them is recognizing this is a part of our DNA already and we want to become more and more committed to this practice, to this value, to this principle as we move forward as a church. We want to be community together. We want to be healthy together. We want health for individual Christ followers. And we want health for our family, for our body, for our church as we come together. We want to be a healthy people and we want to exist in healthy relationships with other people. And even more than we want this, as we looked at John 17 last week, we saw that Jesus prayed this on our behalf. That Jesus prayed that his disciples, that his church would be as unified with one another as Jesus the Son and God the Father are with each other. That we would be that connected, that we would be that deeply intertwined and interwoven. This was Jesus' longing for us. So we invite you, as we talked about healthy community and this being one of these values or these guiding principles, we invite you to commit to this present and growing reality in our church. But as we think about the idea of healthy community this morning, I want, I want to talk about it. I want to spin out of it just a bit. As we talked about the progression last week, it continues. This track continues of moving from one into the next, into the next. And this morning, as we talk about healthy community, I want to talk about some of the dangers that exist around the idea and also some of the beauties that can grow out of this if we've done this well. There is an incredible danger in our unity, in our coming together as a family. The danger is that we like it too much. This isn't just a church thing. It's a people thing. People have a tendency to do this. To like a gathering that we're around or a people that we've come around or an experience that we've had. And when we do so, there is this, this tendency that comes out in us to believe that this is somehow a limited commodity. That there's only so much of this to go around. And if that's the case, we want to make sure that we don't lose it. 
We want to make sure that we hold on to it, that we don't let it slip away, that we protect it. And what has a tendency to happen is that we make this affinity, this appreciation for one another, this experience that we have, we begin to make it exclusive. We begin to limit who can participate, who can be a part of it, because we're afraid that if new people come in, that they might somehow damage this thing that we've had. So we begin to create walls so that others can't come in. Another thing that happens with this a lot of times is that we begin to to confuse the idea of unity with uniformity. So in order to protect this thing, we mandate that everyone looks the same, does the same, acts the same, behaves the same. And when this happens in the church, when we become too inwardly focused, the exact same things begin to take place. We become overly consumed with protecting our community. So too often churches stop looking out beyond ourselves. Because we've become so committed to this thing, this community, this people, this organization, this gathering, this experience. That we don't look out anymore. We're only looking inside at ourselves, at what we need to protect, at what we need to defend. We become committed primarily to providing for our own or maintaining our comforts. Protecting our expectations and our preferences. When we do so, we start to make sure in different ways that everyone looks the same. This idea of mistaking uniformity for being, or or unity for being uniform, for uniformity. So we want everybody to look the same. And when we do so, we create spoken and unspoken dress codes. Of what you wear when you come to church. Now that's less and less present than some of us remember it in our past. I saw that thumbs up, Mike. But we have done that or remembered what it was like to be in that experience. We start to all speak the same way. And when we do so, we end up having a shared insider language that only the people who are inside get. And, and we create these acronyms that stand for things that we understand, but other people outside of us don't understand. And we have shared stories that are insider stories. And that's not all bad. There's a bonding that happens in that. But we have to also understand that there is a pushing out of others that happens in that. Because those who don't know the stories or the jokes or the history can't fully become a piece of who we are because they somehow feel left out of what's taking place with us because they don't speak the same way. We look at deciding that people have to believe the same way. And when we start to feel that way, we create rules that limit uncomfortable thought among us. Because we're afraid that if people start to think differently than we do. Sadly, too often in the church, we've decided that if people start to think at all, they're going to somehow damage what we're doing. But it's when we've lost our focus and we've become focused on protecting ourselves. In this mistaken pursuit of uniformity instead of unity, we decide that everyone has to behave exactly the same way. 
So we create these codes for behavior, codes of how you have to act or what you have to do or how you have to think or the ways in which you participate among us. And then we create corrective methods that exist around those so that we can shame other people into cooperation, helping them understand this is not the way you behave here. Been there? Seen that? Yes? No? Maybe? Joe Peevler. I love Joe. Joe was a great man, but I remember very clearly from my childhood where Joe sat in the hallway that surrounded the sanctuary. And I remember that every time we would run by Joe, he would tell us, that is not the way you behave in here. And then he would threaten us that if we did it again, he would stick us on the stage beside the pastor and we would have to spend the entire worship service sitting beside the pa- besides the pastor. Because it was his way of believing that there was a certain behavior that was and wasn't appropriate. And that if we broke outside of that, we were somehow damaging the understanding of what the community looked like. And Joe was not trying to do something inappropriate. He really wasn't. It was his understanding of what it meant for us to be church together. And to be 100% honest, I needed him to get on to me once in a while because I wasn't acting the way that I should act. He knew that. I knew that. We all knew that. And yet when we walk into the dangers of these, when we begin to require these types of things of people, same behavior, same dress, same methods of thinking, same behavior all the time, and any variation of that is somehow, we believe, damaging or harmful to the community, it really begins to become the ugliest part of what happens in a community. And we see that in church communities and we see that in the broader world. That when we do this, this is not a beautiful, it's not a healthy community. This is community at its ugliest possible state. Because we convince ourselves that the goal is us. That the goal is protecting the community. That the goal is maintaining the status quo. And yes, it may feel good for a time. It may keep us happy temporarily. It may protect us for a season. It may provide for us to an extent. But eventually this kind of living, this kind of community, this kind of being together will kill us. Because the church is called to more. The church is called not just to be a gathering of people, but to be a healthy community together. Jesus, when he prayed for this idea of unity, he prayed for it with a greater purpose. Yes, he longed for us to have healthy relationships together, to have a safe place to gather as a body, to be accountable to one another as we're gathered here. But Jesus also believed as he prayed his prayer that us living unified, us living as a healthy community was testimony to the fact that God had sent Jesus, that Jesus was who he said he was, that Jesus was God in the flesh. It was also testimony and evidence that God loved his people. So the calling to unity was not just about the unified people. It was bigger than that. It was broader than that. It was for the sake of all people and all of creation. His intent was not to create a people that only look in at one another But to create a people who come together and also go out together. To create a people who care for one another and also for the larger world. He prayed for a people who love each other. But also overflow with the love that we've been given so that it affects all of God's creation. 
So while there is danger in this idea of community, danger in what it means as we begin to gather together, there's also something incredibly beautiful that can happen if we do healthy community well. It can become contagious. When we've done this well, when we've lived this well, this way of living becomes something that others long to experience. They long to be a part of. They long to see from the inside. They long to participate in. When we have lived this well, it's something that we've been so affected by that we want other people to experience. We want them to be a part of what we've done, of what we've seen, of what we've been in. We've had conversations before. Callie and I have had them. Others of you and I have had them about what it means to talk about our faith or our church, about Jesus to other people and recognizing that sometimes it is difficult. But community done at its best, healthy community, transformation that we've talked at at its best means that we have been so significantly impacted by this. We want other people to know what we've experienced and to have a part of it too. We want them to participate in it. And I know as we talk about church, you think, yeah, but aren't there dangers around that? Aren't there? We don't think that it's dangerous when we tell them about our favorite restaurant we just went to. And we only tell them about that because we had great tacos. I mean, who cares? But we want them to experience that. When we go see a movie and we somehow have been impacted by it, we want them to receive the same impacts. When we hear a song on the radio that has moved us, we want them to hear the song because we believe that it will have an impact on their life. Community, healthy community, the church done well, lived rightly, should bring us to a place that we long to communicate the experience that we have. The transformation that Jesus has worked in our life, what it's like to be a part of the church because we've been so moved by it, so touched by it, that we want other people to experience the same thing. The church at its best is a healthy community committed to missional living. And that's the next of our values of our guiding principles that we want to talk about. That we become a people who are taking care of those who are among us, but are also reaching out to bring others in. That we're experiencing love among the community in such powerful ways that we can only handle it. We're so overwhelmed by it. We can only handle it if we share it with other people. We can only handle how overwhelming it is if we take it and we pass it on to others. That we are a people so radically transformed by being here, by being gathered together, by being in the presence of the Holy Spirit. That we can't wait to bring transformation to the rest of creation. All creatures, all cultures, all societies, everything God has created. Luke 6 is the passage that we read together earlier. And in the reading of this passage, we find Jesus who is teaching and he says to all who will listen, hear these words. He wants to speak to all who are willing to hear him, all who are willing to listen to what he has to say. And as he talks to them, he's telling them about what it means to love other people. And yes, as we think about what it means to love other people, we should surely love one another that are a part of the church. That's what we talked about as we talked about healthy community. We should love each other. Those who are committed to following Jesus together, those who have gathered as a part of this community, who have said, these are the people I want to walk forward with Jesus with. We should be a people who love the church and love its people in deep, deep ways. 
And we know that that isn't always easy. But it seems to be easier than loving our enemies, doesn't it? So as Jesus spoke about the idea of loving other people, he says, So what if you can figure out how to love people who are like you? So what? What credit do you think you deserve for that? He says, here's what it means to live like me, to live like Jesus. Go love your enemies. Love those who hate you. Love those who persecute you. Love those who think your faith is a bunch of made-up lies just to make you feel good about yourself. Love those who vote different from you. Love those who have different perspectives on moral issues. Love those who call you hypocrites. Love those who think you're foolish for your faith, for your work in the church. Love people who don't look like you or want to look like you. Now, I want to be careful because this morning as I use this passage, Jesus talked about the idea of enemies. And in no way do I want it to sound like we're saying that people who aren't a part of church are therefore our enemies. I don't believe that's at all true. And I believe that churches that have painted the picture that those who are in are us and those who are out are the enemies have missed the idea of what Christ has called us to do. They are not the enemy. The scripture tells us that they are deeply loved by the creator of the universe. However, as we read this passage and we're called to the idea of loving people who look different than us, at the very least, it surely stretches to those who are not a part of the faith community, right? Because we know that some of them look far different than us, think far different than us. So Jesus, as he talked about loving our enemies and loving people who don't look like us and loving people who don't think like us and who don't share the same faith of us, says not only should we love them, but that we should love them in crazy over-the-top ways. That when they do evil to us, we should be good to them. That when they take our coat away, we should also give them our shirt. That when they strike us, we should give them the opportunity to take a second shot. That when they steal something from us, that we shouldn't try to get it back. Now, Jesus' goal in this teaching, I don't believe, was to create a bunch of victimized wimps. I don't think that was his desire or his intent. It was not to say that we should, for some reason now, pursue being abused. Enjoy being abused by other. Even allow ourselves to be consistently abused by other. I don't think that's what Jesus was trying to teach or was trying to move forward. He was telling them culturally appropriate ways, culturally appropriate examples, that their love could be lavish and overflowing. That it could be crazy, that it could be over the top, that it could look unbelievable, like something only Christ followers would be able to do. Only people that were in the church would be able to pull off. Only people who had been significantly transformed could do. The call of Christ followers is that we love all people in ways that are unexplainable and over the top. And why in the world would we do such a thing? Why would we do it? Why would we be that kind of people? And again, as you walk through the progression of what we've had, I would say that we would be this kind of people because we have experienced spiritual transformation. We can't do it on our own. 
I can't always figure out how to love the people that I like the most. Much less love people that are enemies or love people that I'm not sure I like or love people that I don't get along with. But the idea is that we have been so changed by spiritual transformation through the love of Jesus, through the grace of God, through the power of the Holy Spirit, that we desire that for other people. That we've experienced such a majestically mysterious thing that we want others to experience the same powerful opportunity. We want them to know what it's like to be loved by Jesus and his church. So what is missional living? Missional living is living a transformed way of life that longs to communicate to other people by any and every means possible that they are deeply loved by Jesus. Again, as we pick these out, we have not adopted things that aren't already a part of who we are. These are things that we recognize are true. Valley loves missions. We are a church that has loved missions for generations. We see that in the ways in which we're deeply committed to our missions partners. And as we look to the future, we want to make sure that we reach even further. We want to make sure that we are the kind of people that live Jesus' love into our community so fully, so thoroughly, so incredibly that it's impacting our neighbors and the nations. We want it to be true that if we cease to exist, if Valley cease to exist at 1401 York Road, that people who aren't in our church would notice. The people who don't even know Jesus would miss us. That people who don't even like us would grieve because we were no longer in this place, in this space, gathering as these people. This is what it means for us to be a missional people, for us to be people who are living missionally. So how do we do this in the days ahead? And reality is there's a long list of things that we could talk about that we could begin to describe or begin to portray or begin to list. But we can't list all of them. We can't carry through all of them. So let me give you a couple ideas that I have. One of the ways that we want to continue to be a people committed to missional living is that we want to reach even farther through growing commitments to our partners. That with Valley Baptist Preschool, we want to make sure that we're continuing to impact the youngest in our society and their families. That with Maryland Christian Church, that we're impacting a culture that is different from ours, that we don't understand or have not been fully involved in as they're primarily a Korean church. That with Grace Life and InterVarsity, we want to make sure that we're impacting college students who will eventually leave these campuses and go out through all of the world to work and to take the gospel. With Impact One Initiative, we want to make sure that we're educating some of the poorest children in Zambia. So that they can grow to be people of influence for their country and for their continent. With the Assistance Center of Towson Churches, we want to make sure that we're continuing to come to know and bless the poor that live among us. By having these partnerships, by being connected with these and with others, it magnifies the work that can be done by our small church.
It multiplies our reach by us empowering and equipping and and joining our partners as they stretch beyond what we can do in the sections of our society that we have limited, limited experience and little influence. I love that we do this. That we give away far more money to our partners than some would say we should. However, resourcing them to do our work isn't actually us being missional. That is us funding missions. Which is a great thing, which is something we want to continue to be deeply committed to. But we want to do more than continue to fund the work that we're doing, they're doing. It's time for us to get our hands dirty. And some of us are doing that, but we need to get even better at it. We need to become more involved in the work that our partners are doing. We need to get on campuses, Towson and Goucher, where our partners are working. We need to get to Africa. More of us need to go to Zambia to participate in the work that Impact One is doing there. We need to serve alongside ACTC at the center downtown Towson and beyond as they are reaching the poor. In how many zip codes, Kathy? 23 some odd zip codes that surround us. We need to know our friends at MCC and the work that they're doing. We need to be committed to it and partnering with it. We need to play a role in what's happening at Valley Baptist Preschool. Maybe that's by deciding you will show up and be a reader. Or even be a substitute teacher. What an incredible way to impact children and their families as you come in and share the love of Christ with them. We're going to continue to be committed to these great works and to others, but organizational missions isn't enough. Us giving to them isn't enough, and even us connecting with them isn't enough. For us to be a people that are committed to the idea of missional living, it means that you and me are missional people. It means that we are actually thinking of ourselves as missionaries in anything and everything that we do. Everywhere we go that we recognize we have been sent out by the church and empowered by the strength of the gospel and the power of the Holy Spirit to be a people communicating to others that they are deeply loved by Jesus. Which means that in our community associations... We would participate because it's an opportunity for us to help people know that they're loved by Jesus in our neighborhoods. It means that we would look to the little girl who sits beside us in the desk at school. Perhaps a little girl of another race or from another country. And we would make sure that she knows that she is deeply loved by Jesus. It means that we would be the kind of people that are seeking out others who look different from us. Enemies, some might call them. To make sure that they know they are deeply loved by Jesus. Who are your enemies? Who comes to mind when you think about an enemy? Who comes to mind when you think about them? Who do you have such dis? 
interest in that they don't even cross your mind when you think about enemies. These are the people that Jesus has called us to love as a missional people. Who are your enemies? Are they Democrats? Republicans? Refugees? Homosexuals? Those who support adoption or those who support abortion? Those who've had an abortion? Are they atheists? Middle Easterners? Immigrants, wealthy people, poor people, Maryland drivers, (laughs) black people, white people, Latinos, Asians. Who is it? Because we're lying to ourselves if we pretend that we don't have someone in the world that we think less of than we think of ourselves. That we somehow believe carry less worth or less value than we do. Jesus said that as the church, as people living missionally, these are the people who we love. We want to be the kind of people who love those who are easy, who are like us, who are in our community, but also who love those who are difficult, those who don't look like us, those who aren't a part of our community. We want to be the kind of people who love people that we like and love people that we hate, those who love the church and those who love the lost. Those who love in over-the-top, extravagant, crazy ways because that's the way that Jesus has called us to love other people. Those who live missionally in our neighborhoods and our schools, in our offices, at the grocery store, in restaurants, anywhere and everywhere we go throughout our county and our city and our country and our world and to the very ends of the earth. And it is not easy. And sometimes it'll hurt. Sometimes we'll be criticized, even by people who are a part of our community, who are also a part of the church, who will criticize us for loving people who are outside our community, who are outside the church, who don't look like us. If you don't believe it's true, read more of Jesus' story. He saw it over and over and over again. We'll receive criticism from those who are inside. We'll be chastised by those who don't understand that we care more about love than we do about politics. That we care more about Jesus than we do about popularity. That we care more about the gospel than we do about comfort. It will cost us. And it may or may not ever grow valley. But it will carry a significant impact on the kingdom of God. As more and more people will come to know and follow Jesus as Lord and Savior and friend. As we have the chance to experience, to see what it actually means for the kingdom to be on earth as in heaven. Friends, when we love this way. 
We are being the church. So this morning, I want to invite you to dive deeply into the beauty of being a healthy community together and to missional living. Pray with me, would you? Precious Lord Jesus, hear us as we pray. Teach us to love better, more fully, more deeply. To love those who it's easy to love and to love those whom it's difficult to love. Help us recognize what we often overlook. That we, too, are difficult to love, and yet you do so anyway. May we follow your example. May we be a people committed to missional living, to loving others well, so that they might come to know that they are deeply loved by Jesus and his church. Through the power of your Holy Spirit, we ask these things. Amen.